Welcome to another quarantine version of Outspoken. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the, some some of our greatest players list in the NBA. We're going to talk about the last dance. We're going to talk about the video conference that happened between the top NBA players. And we're going to ask why James Harden was left off that conference, along with Anthony Davis and a couple other top stars. And we're going to just talk about the aftermath of last weekend's UFC fights. Let's get started, guys. You posted an article in our Facebook chat this week, Rich, about Perkins NBA list. Can you evaluate that and let me know your thoughts about it? Okay, well, I, I, I thought he had a top 10 one, but I know there was like three lists he had, and I have them here on my notes. Uh, but yeah, one of them was his all-time well-rounded, and he had LeBron, Larry Bird at number two, Scotty at three. Russell Westbrook and Kevin Garnett. That's his top five. And coincidentally, two of the five he, uh, no, three of the five he played with. Um, here's another, here's another one. Here's his all time starting five. LeBron, uh, Michael Jordan, LeBron at the point, Michael Jordan at shooting guard, Kevin Durant at small fort, Kevin Garnett at, uh, center. I mean, at power forward and Shaq at center. And then the last one that he had was my all time. Uh, top five skill players. Kobe is number one. Michael Jordan. I have no problem with that one. Michael Jordan. I probably just flip flop. Michael Jordan one. Kobe two. Then the rest. <laughs> but Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and Kevin Garnett. That's his top five uh, for that. So yeah, he's been um, he's been very vocal on uh, Twitter. Um, you know, he doesn't, he throws a little shade at like Jordan. And it seems like this last dance documentary, like we talked about at the beginning, is bringing out a lot of people, uh, having their own comparisons. And this is where you can see like generational, uh, difference, um, where a lot of us, you know, we saw Jordan and Kobe. So those are the guys we roll with. And then you got guys more so guys and girls born like in 95, 2000. They're, they're saying LeBron because that's all they've ever known seeing him. So, um, yeah, uh, Kendrick, he's really been, he's been really been going on. He's on one right now. And he, uh, he actually says a lot of stuff that's off the wall. Um, but looking at his list, um, I, I really don't have a problem with his starting five. I would, I would definitely would change his all time starting five. I mean, I would have magic at the point. That's who, that's who I'm having run the point. Uh, Jordan at the two, uh, Durant. Yeah, he's up there, but I will have LeBron at small forward. And then um, Garnett, or uh, I would say probably Duncan and Shaq. I mean, that's probably like my starting five. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, I just, I just think he, he's, he's been, he, he's always been kind of weird in some of his statements. Um, but yeah, he's been on the, yeah, yeah, which is nothing wrong with that. Everybody has their opinion. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I took, I took offense really to the well-rounded one. Because there, there's no Kobe, there was no Jordan, there's no Magic. How do you have mag not have Magic on? You have Larry Bird, but not Magic. <laughs> so yeah, I don't understand that one. But Josh, did you happen to take a look at it? Oh yeah, I'm looking, guys, at, I'm looking at it right here too. And I, I, I agree with you on a few points. You can, you know, argue Kobe and Michael Jordan number one and two. You can flip flop those either way. Um, I'm not sure about Kevin Garnett in both lists being the you know, most skilled in all around. I know he played with Kevin Garnett in the 2000, I want to say 2008, 2009, 2010 yeah. uh, Boston Celtics when, when they were there. They won a title in 2008, and it was pretty much Kendrick Perkins that may have cost him a title in 2010 because in uh, going to game six that year, uh, the Celtics were up three games to two going to L.A. for the final two games, and he took a knee injury early in that second, in that, uh, second quarter. I think it was the second quarter. Um, in game six and that cost them the game and pretty much the title and they definitely could have used him in uh, in game seven because it was such a low scoring game and he was such a presence down low his stats always weren't there Kendrick Perkins but he was always a guy that, that would clog up the middle and he would bang around get in position for for players but <laughs> his his list is a little little off for me too I, I don't know how he doesn't have Michael Jordan or Kobe really is most all around NBA yeah. players. Yeah, I, I don't, don't. I don't get that at yeah. all. Larry Bird. I mean, Larry Bird was good. Do you think he uh, favors LeBron a lot? I, well, yeah, he played with he LeBron. He favors too. his ex play uh, players he played with a lot. You can tell by his list. He puts yeah. Russell Westbrook's really good too, but I don't know if he's one of the most all around NBA players in, in history, especially if you don't have Jordan or, no. or Magic in there. 
but he's got Kevin Garnett on both on both lists, which is really surprising to me. Kevin Garnett's good, but I don't know about top five in either one of those categories. Top ten for sure, but I don't know about top five. I'd even argue top ten. I'm, I'm not sure if Garnett's a top ten. I'm a, I'm a big Garnett fan, and I, I wouldn't even put him in the top ten. I, I would put Duncan over him. In Actually, the top 10. You're right. You yeah. Know, you're yeah. right because he had the big three when the big three was new to the league in Boston and they only took home one championship. That is crazy to think. Yeah. And I mean, they, they should have had two really that 2010 uh, finals. You know, Boston was, was dominating the Lakers the first few games. Lakers pulled out a couple. When Perkins went down in game six, that really cost Boston the title um, because they really could have used him game seven. But, but for Perkins, for a guy who averaged like six points a game, four rebounds a game, <laughs> I'm not sure how much how much he can really, you know, how much you can trust to him picking the all-time players, especially in, in skilled and all around. It just just amazes me. I know he tried to, yeah. he tried to make a name I, I for himself. how you say he favors his players. Do you really consider his time with LeBron, like actual playing time with him? Wasn't he just on the bench and didn't they pick him up like because in case of any injuries happen on the team? Yeah, he was definitely one of the guys that they would pick up as a as a good role player. Um, he did he did play, you know, he was in the game probably 20, 25 minutes a game, even with LeBron. But he was definitely not one of the stars and definitely not one of the the main players on those teams. You know, when uh, when LeBron had Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, you know, those were the main players on those teams. And, and with they, Bo- they, and with Boston, yeah, Boston, he had Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce. Rondo, you know, yeah, those he was guys. A starter Ray, Boston, and Ray Allen yeah. and yeah. Ray Allen too. Kendrick Perkins isn't, mm-hmm. you know, isn't one of the star players. But still, he was a starter. He was a contributor. But one, because you know, he's you say he likes to favor his teammate. I didn't really know he had actual playing time with LeBron. Uh, yeah, he he played on he played on OKC too. But when he got, by the time he got to Cleveland, he was pretty much that's what I'm saying. The J- Jack Haley, he was cute of the on the bench. He was clapping and everything. That's pretty that's pretty much where he was suit. at that point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like and Josh, off. I don't even think he played 25 minutes. I think he played like one minute yeah, a game. Yeah, <laughs> 25 minutes is a lot of minutes for someone like that at his age. And on top of that, I think he was left off the playoff roster. I think he was. when they, I think he was on the team when they when they won in 2016. But yeah. I, do I take him serious? Yes, yeah, sometimes I do. Uh, he has some good facts. And sometimes he's just out there. But with that being said... Who is your starting five, Josh? My my starting five of all time, uh, at the point guard, definitely Magic Johnson. He's he's my number one, pretty much overall of just the impact he had in the game and everything. Um, when he came out as a rookie, twenty years old. Um, at the shooting guard, uh, because he has one more title than uh, Kobe, I have to pick Michael Jordan for that. But then I'd also move Kobe to the small forward, I think, too, to get him off the court because I don't know if there's. Much uh, better players than, than Kobe and Jordan right now, but I put Jordan at the shooting guard. I maybe put Kobe, maybe Scottie Pippen as a small forward. Um, I don't know how you leave off Kareem Abdul-Jabbar off the off the team too, off the starting lineup as a center. But Shaq is right there too, and I think Shaq just with his weight, his domination that he had, and he brought to the uh, the NBA breaking backboards and you know just dunks he had over you know. Big players, Dikembe Mutombo's, you know, one player that he would dunk over, uh, you know, quite often. And Dikembe Mutombo was a huge guy. And then I don't know, Scottie Pippen, James Worthy. Um, I don't know about Larry Bird. I'd rather have James Worthy than Larry Bird in my starting five. Um, other than that, if you go back to the old school guys, I, I like Oscar Robinson. Watching old highlights of him, he was he was really good. Will Chamberlain was really good too. So I mean, there's there's a lot of players you can pick from, but definitely Magic. Magic, Jordan, Kobe, probably James Worthy, and Shaquille O'Neal. That'd be my starting five. Yeah, that's a good one right there. Uh, Rich, you want to repeat yours? Yeah, yeah. I kind of mentioned uh, mine earlier. It was kind of similar to Kendrick's, but um, but I, I, I chose Magic, like Josh, um, at the point. Jordan at the two. I would put LeBron at the three. And um, the four... It'd probably be either Duncan or um, I. One of my favorite players ever, and he's in my top five. I, I love Charles Barkley. I love. I was a big Charles Barkley fan, so I might throw Sir Charles in there. And Shaq, I love Shaq. Shaq is one of my all-time favorite players. I, I think Shaq, he transcends. He can. He could play back then and now. Uh, honestly, I think how he plays. Um, well, it'd be kind of tough now, just going up and down the court. But I would say just right before this era era of basketball 
But um, I think Shaq is when he when he wasn't lazy and wanted to be the most dominant player in the game, he can be the most dominant player. Well, that was um, he only, I, it's been said he he took all his whole career lightly except for one year, and that was the year. That and he admitted it with the interview with Kobe, and Kobe's like, "That's one thing that used to frustrate me with you. I knew how, how great of a talent you were, but you weren't driven like how I, how I was. You kind of just." you know went off talent alone and yeah coasted by and he was a hall of fame player so just imagine if you know he never did that imagine if he had the mamba mentality oh damn yeah he yeah. would have definitely been you know one of the greatest all-time players ever just because of his size and his yeah. skill but you know from from 90 93 i think he came into the league to about 2003 he was definitely the do most dominant player. I mean, Jordan's in that era too. Yeah. But as far as uh, down low, banging, slamming, breaking backboards, from '93 to 2003, he was he was the best at doing that. And ironically, uh, I was talking to one of my buddies, uh, Eric, um, big Clippers fan like me, um, but he loved Shaq like I did. He, we're around the same age, and um, I was just telling him, like, because he posted something on Instagram about uh, Draymond Green, because Draymond Green said that. Shaq, that's another guy we can talk about probably. But he said that um, his Warriors teams would have destroyed the Lakers or something like that. And he's, he said, yeah, Shaq would probably go off in it. And Shaq actually responded to him um, pretty much saying like, yeah, um, you know, he has his he has his opinions and everything. That's all right. But he's like, honestly, no, those guys will not not beat our Lakers teams. Um, but um, we we're talking about Orlando Magic Shaq. And I say, yeah, just. Just think of it, 95 when Shaq was MVP candidate, averaging like 30 a game. He was a 7'1", 295-pound lean, lean guy running run up and down the court. And he was so raw, but he was he was really, really good at the time, but he wasn't even polished yet. Right, Not until, like, I, I would say they won the first title in L.A. But, um, yeah, it was fun watching him in Orlando. That's when I really... Those three, four years he was there, I was I was a big Shaq fan in Orlando. Why, for why sure. don't you think he stood in shape when he came to LA? Why do you? I'm not saying he was fat or anything, but why? Just imagine the lean Shaquille that was in Orlando oh, yeah. in LA. You know, he would have been three time MVP. Um, we would have won a championship still, but still, man, he would have been like probably could have won. He probably could have got started earlier. Yeah, like around that time when the the Jazz were you know starting their little two year run. Um, I don't know because he got that big contract. I don't know if he, you know, was lazy because he got lazy because of that. Yeah, Kobe. But I, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Kobe was still young, a young pup. You know, he was finding himself. So that's when you had Eddie Jones, Nick Van Exel, Cedric Sabalas, guys like that. And they still had really good teams. You know, they just couldn't beat the Jazz. <laughs> the Jazz were so good then. So I don't know. That's a good question. But I think it's, you know, a combination of getting that contract, you know, still young. You know, young, you say you're young and dumb sometimes, but, um, you know, I, I just think that played a big part, uh, you know, why he really wasn't in shape like he was when he was in Orlando when he first got to L.A. Yeah, I think with two, I think Shaq, too, is, his head might have gotten a little too big after winning the three titles and three finals MVPs. And he had the riff with Kobe, you know, the, you know, whose team is it kind of deal. And then Kobe, you know, getting the rape charge in Colorado and, Thinking, okay, well, it's my team. If he's gonna go go off and screw around, then I'm gonna. I'm, this should be my team, and it never really was. It was like both their teams, but he didn't like that so much. So he says, okay. I remember in the preseason game, um, I think it was in Hawaii, and Dr. Bus was sitting in the front row, and Shaq made a dunk or something, and he looked he looked over at Jerry Bus and says, "You need to pay me." So I think he wasn't getting the love from Dr. Bus either, and so he thought, well, why work hard then? which really kind of yeah. hurt him later. I know he won one more title in Miami, but um, it really kind of hurt his career after that. He it's, he got to be known as the lazy Shaq instead of the dominant Shaq. Yep. And that was not a good look. It's crazy also to think that, you know, when Utah Jazz was good, they never were able to uh, go over the hump and win a championship. That's that's another. That's another. Because that guy, Michael Jordan, he kept a lot of guys from winning championships. <laughs> that, them and the uh, Lakers in the 80s. Uh, yeah, I mean, Malone and yeah. Stockton couldn't beat the Lakers in the 80s. They couldn't beat them. That, yeah. that, that didn't help either than playing Jordan and the Bulls twice in the 90s. You know, they just never could get there. Never. It's crazy how every era has its dominant team, and there's always that team that's trying to go over the hump, and they just can't. Um, like the, the Detroit, the, uh, the, the Bulls. 
for one, the Lakers. I feel like the Lakers couldn't get over Sacramento for so many years until that, or Portland and Sacramento, to be honest, it was two teams, but it was mostly Portland um, back when they were, they, they first won their first three with Shaq and Kobe. I feel like Portland was a big, a big hurdle for them to get over. Don't forget that Portland was up by 15 points in the fourth quarter in the last game. <laughs> yeah, and you know, that's crazy. They were good and they were never able to win the championship either. Who won those years when they were contending? Uh, that was the Spurs, 98-99. And yeah, that was just that year. That was a strike-shortened season. Then the Lakers won it the next year. Yeah, and then the Spurs would win. Spurs won about every other year for four, yeah. four or five years. And Pippen was good. Yeah, he was he was good. It just I mean he was on the decline at that point of his of his career. But yeah, the Spur, I mean the Blazers they they could have made the finals that year if they didn't blow that blow that lead they had. They did yeah. make the finals. I think it was nineteen ninety. They made the finals. That's crazy. Do you think that you know? Did you hear Robert Horry's uh, comments about how Michael, since Michael, if Michael Jordan never left, the Houston Rockets was still would have won. Oh, that, that's that's a fun one. Yeah, um, it's funny because we were having this discussion on uh, my group chat and, um, you know, we were just talking about how a lot of us think that, I mean, it, it probably would have been, it, would, it really would have been tough because Jordan was mentally, uh, he even said it in the documentary, he's mentally drained after that. And, and his dad hadn't, hadn't even been killed yet. So um, that really set him, you know, over the edge where he's like, I don't want to play anymore. But I even think, though, if he came back, and you know no, everything that left, happened though. what are you talking about didn't they win the championship the two years that he did leave yeah yeah so that's what i'm saying so i'm saying if he never if he never retired and he just came back the, the next the consecutive years after they won the third yeah yeah i think especially that houston team i think they could have beaten that houston team just because if you look at the matchups because i'm thinking back when i was a kid watching houston play they had um kenny smith vernon maxwell at the two that hoary yeah, that Hori and Hori, I think, was coming off the bench at the time. Otis Thorpe and Hakeem Elijah. Yeah, so I'm looking at the lineup. And I think you can add that? Clyde. You can add Clyde Drexler in that too. He came the yeah, but he came the fall year. I'm just focusing oh, on that year, first yeah. team. That, yeah, so I'm looking at that team. I'm like, okay, I'm thinking of the Bulls had. So they had Jordan Pippen. They still had Paxson. They still had Horace Grant. So I'm thinking like, no, that. Yeah, I'm like, there's no, no, the, the Rockets would not beat the Bulls. I, I, I think they probably could have took them to six, maybe even seven, but there's no way in the world Vernon Maxwell or Mario Ellie, he, I forgot about him, are going to stop Jordan and Pippen. No, no I'm, I'm sorry. No, no. And in there, and the, actually the team, the team, I, well, well, I was going to say that in finish. So the, the Houston team that won the next year, they were a lower seed than the team that won the first year and they added Clyde. So even I still don't understand even how the Ma Orlando Magic got swept in. I think they should have beat the Rockets that year, but I just, yeah, and I just and that's why I said I I, I think it would have been tough because that would have been eight in a row. But I I just I think they could have beat those Rockets teams honestly, just looking at matchups and everything. Yeah, say so stay as long as as long as the Bulls stayed healthy. But you know, you see LeBron nowadays playing you know in seven straight finals and see how drained he gets. So you would imagine Michael Jordan playing in eight straight finals, especially winning those games too. That takes a lot on a team, but you got everybody there too. Pippen's playing, you know, if they make those two finals, eight finals in a row, you know, Horace Grant probably would have been there. They would have added Dennis Robin eventually. Uh, Steve Kerr, you know, played in those two. There a lot of games, a lot of finals. That's a lot of minutes on those body, on those bodies there to play. But, uh, but Akeem Olajuwon, I think would have had to have like an MVP type finals to beat the Bulls in those two years if, if they had played each other. But remember the, the Rockets played the Knicks in the second in that second championship playing against Patrick Ewing, which was a great series. And the Knicks, I think that in that series, I think they were an eight seed coming out of, out of the regular season. So they, they really caught fire with John Starks and them too. But uh, yeah, if the Bulls had made those other two finals and the Houston Rockets had made it as well, that would have been a, just a two great years to watch the finals because those were two really good teams. Yeah, the Rockets were really good during that period of time. They, they were actually pretty fun to watch the as, thing is, as well. Um, like you said, LeBron, you went through seven straight finals and you know the wear and tear. But also, if that would have been Michael Jordan back then, the technology is not what it is today. Um, taking your, care of your body wasn't as big as the it training is today and stuff, in, yeah. in sports. You know, back it's crazy to see athletes back then and athletes now. 
Back then, they were chugging beer during games or smoking cigars after wins. I'm not saying they don't do it now, but like, it's not really common now. It's more common. Your team expects the athletes who are getting paid top dollar to keep their bodies at top shape at all times. There's no off season. That's what makes the thing about Michael Jordan so, so more amazing is that he was smoking cigars during the regular season often. You know, see him on the golf course in between, you know, in between games and, you know, just in his car, that shot they did with a, a moderate shot in the uh, front seat and he's smoking a cigar on the way. I'm like, I can't see players nowadays yeah. doing that kind of stuff. You know, it would just, it would just wreck their bodies for, for what they have to go through now. It's, it's, it's crazy. So yeah, different times. I definitely don't know if Jordan could have went through all those finals with all that wear and tear. There had to have been some, even if he did go to the finals, there would have had to have been a break. And I think it would have came to the number one pick, uh, the dream and his Houston Rockets. I think they would have at least had one year on the Bulls if they would have, if he would have stayed. I don't yeah, think they would They were good. Like I said, they were good. Yeah, I don't yeah, think they, they would have repeated, yeah. but the dream went number one before Michael Jordan for a reason. He wasn't a bust. He he came through for his teams, you know, so I think he would have had one over Mike. I'm not sure if he would have had both years, but yeah, that's just what I would have. That's just my opinion. But um, what, what sends us to the other topic that some of the top players like LeBron James, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, Giannis, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and Stephon Curry all met on a Zoom conference to talk about the future of this season, especially the playoffs. I'm not sure what they talked. I only could uh, imagine that it was about resuming the rest of the season and including the playoffs, pay. But what's really noticeable is Anthony Davis was left off that meeting and James Harden who is one of the top scorers of the league, who actually changed the, the style of basketball. What are your takes on that, Josh? Yeah, I'm not sure the reasons why James Harden and Anthony Davis were left off, if they just chose not to participate. I don't know that or or what, but as far as getting the season going, I think, I think if they can safely do it and find a nice place to do it, these guys aren't gonna play at a high school or anything just to get the season going. But if they can find a good place like in, in Florida or I don't know, maybe Arizona or Las Vegas, a state that's going to open up fully a lot quicker. Um, they're talking about maybe, you know, end of June to July to start training again for a couple of weeks and then maybe try to get the games going. Um, whether it's a 10-game a ten regular season from this point, just continue it on, but play 10 games and then try to have a full playoff series, you know, four rounds. Um, they could be playing into August, but if they're playing at a – at a certain site, you know, whether it's Arizona, Vegas, or wherever, there's not a lot of travel. There won't be any traveling going on, so they can play games a lot more frequent. Maybe play back to back to back, you know, where they don't have this to fly the plane, you know, go on a bus, sleep in a hotel. They can they can yeah. go right there. Maybe even try to play two games in a day if if necessary, and then try to have a full playoff series, you know, before hopefully by the end of August or maybe by Labor Day, just to get it done in time to get to the off season and have some rest for the next season to begin. Probably instead of being October, which is usually when the season begins, they would probably push it back to December. And then next year's season would be accelerated too, where they play a lot more back-to-back -back games to try to get 82 games in or, or cut it down to 60 games for a season just to, you know, help with the wear and tear. You know, Kawhi Leonard is one of those guys too that needs to have uh, what they call it, load management, <laughs> which was never heard of in the 80s and 90s. But nowadays these guys are, you know, there's such a high dollar product that they have to keep them keep them good and keep them on the floor as much as they can because the fans want to see them. They don't want to see them on the bench, especially on the second game of a back-to-back. -back. You know, they just won't play. We kind of try to get away from that a little bit. So I can see I can see like a like a 10-game season to end this season, and hopefully maybe a if they can't do a four out of seven, maybe do a three out of five every round just for for one year and go from there. They also are recommending or telling the the players that they have to be okay if one of the players gets coronavirus and keep on playing because they'll just like how the UFC did it one of their fighters did it and then they they continued the fight just they didn't allow the person to, to fight you know and they're they want to they want to let the players or they're telling the players they want to treat it as an injury like oh if if Kevin Durant gets coronavirus you know that's that's just the luck of the of the draw you know it's an injury they're not gonna. <laughs> he did get it. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm trying to say is during the playoffs. I mean, if you yeah. play, 
Uh, yeah. And they want that the team to treat it like um, an injury, like I said. So, you know, I do think it's a possibility if if all the players have that mindset, I think we are going to get some basketball in the near future. Uh, yeah, they, they talk about the like the White House, those guys in the White House getting tested every day um, so they can at least be around each other. That could happen with basketball teams too. Those guys could get tested every day um, for both teams who are going to play each other. And then if, if everybody tests negative, they, they're good to go. Just like the UFC guys over the weekend. Uh, what do you th- what do you, what are your thoughts on James Harden being left off that meeting? And what do you think the common discussion or the common consensus was in that meeting amongst players regarding the start of the season? Well, I was going to say, I, I read something. I thought, I thought Anthony Davis was on that list too. Did you say Kawhi too? I thought I, I mean maybe they had had his name wrong, but I thought I read that he was in it. But anyways, back to Harden. Um, I I really don't don't know why they didn't have him on there because um, he is one of the elite players in the league. So I, I can't really uh, understand why why they would have him off of that call. Um, but I was gonna say also as well, I have it in my notes here that Jalen Brown was also on it too because he's one of the vice presidents too to the NBA Players Association. But the general consensus of that um uh that meeting i know it's you know talking about the restart of the season like you like you said already and um and i guess the thought process is is that having you know the big guns there talking about it it's showing that hey you know our influential players you know they're meeting they're meeting together because they want to get this thing started the right way make sure you know safety's there like you talked about the testing and you know how Things might be a little different, uh, um, like you said, Josh, with the sites, things like that. Maybe just discussing that. But overall, just bringing a, a light, light to the league that hey, we still want to play basketball this season, even though we've been out of it for like a couple months in here almost. Um, but I think that's what the general overall idea of having those guys meet and calling that meeting is to let the rest of the league know that this is actually serious and we're we're trying to really salvage this NBA season. Awesome. I think by them meeting, it's going to send uh, some waves to Adam Silver and let him know that they are serious, like you said. And hopefully he is looking for some drastic measures ASAP to get the season back on. But my thoughts on James Harden not be there. Like you said, Chris Paul is the president of the Players Union. I think he still has some t- sour taste in his mouth regarding James Harden. So that's why maybe he was not invited or James Harden was busy and couldn't join. But... I am thankful that he did bring Russell in because it seems like he had a representative from each top team that was going to be in the playoffs who are, or predicted to be finals um, teams in there to get their, their thoughts. So that's cool that they didn't, he didn't totally leave the Houston Rockets out of the meeting. You know what I mean? But I could totally see why James Harden wouldn't be there is because of that sour taste. I think uh, James Harden was one of the triggers or one of the people that influenced the trade between OKC and Houston. So I would uh, I would see why he wouldn't be there. But he also could have had something on his agenda where he couldn't. But we're all in quarantine, so what? how, how what could he do? Yeah, what does he have to do? Go yeah. play video yeah. games? <laughs> <laughs> so that's even lighting the fire even more that maybe he just doesn't like James, you know, but it is what it is. And it could be that James Harden doesn't like Chris Paul and declined the offer to go too, so... <laughs> that that too but i mean this is a this is a big meeting to just say no i don't want to join you because i don't like you but it's also a big meeting to be like hey man i don't like you i don't want to invite you too so you could be right with that being said the only basketball we do have is the last dance episode seven and eight were pretty interesting i wasn't able to catch the full seven because i was working and then Every time I went to go see if it was on demand, for some reason, it was always playing tomorrow at 6 p.m., but 8 was always available. But um, what are your thoughts on 7 and 8? Let's go with Rich first. Okay, well, uh, some of my takeaways, um, uh, and one of the things I brought out, this is probably one of our first podcast episodes when we were talking about just, you know, the history with Jordan and him retiring um, is the, the first retirement and I mentioned about the the rumor that uh, uh, he was being asked to leave because uh, of gambling, uh, gambling, and um, that was a rumor that floated around. They talked about that in the last dance. I'm actually glad they brought that up because that was a. I remember hearing that as a kid that um, that was a big deal, but a lot of people debunked it in the in the, the documentary. 
Uh, but that's one thing I, I definitely took for uh, from it. That was a big, a big deal back then. Um, also, when he retired, uh, the struggles of baseball and how he was able to, you know, just turn on the switch and go back and play baseball, which he hadn't played in like 10 years and go straight to double A ball, which is pretty tough. And how Terry Francona was talking about how, you know, um, you know, they usually no, it wasn't Terry Francona. It was Jerry Reinsdorf was talking about how they sent him straight to double A because of the fanfare. Because they had the facilities for the fans to come to the game and see him play. Because you can see on the videos, he sold out. They sold out everywhere he went, and um, it just showed how amazing of an athlete he was to quit at the height of his career. And really, '93 was prime Michael Jordan. He was at the height of his career, 29, 30 years old. Yeah, yeah, and and that too, and to flip a switch and go play, just start getting ready for baseball, and. You know, having uh, and I like how they brought up a, a, a little quick fact, how he had a 13 game hitting streak. That's usually um, uh, left out. Yeah, to start the season. I mean, eventually they they got to the point where they start throwing him breaking stuff and he couldn't hit. He ended up being like Pedro Serrano in Major League. Uh, he, yeah, yeah, I couldn't. I can't, he's a straight ball. I hit well, but curveball, I don't hit. <laughs> um, but um, just amazing how he was able to do that after not having you know, played in so long to, to go to double A ball and do that. Um, but uh, like one of the quotes, another thing uh, I got from it, and um, this goes to like what uh, people are saying about his leadership and how he was so hard on his teammates, even to the point of, you know, bullying them, borderline bull uh, bullying them. You know, winning has, he said, winning has a price and being a leader has a price. And he got so passionate talking about it. And, you know, and that's how that shows you how passionate he was about how he was leading that team to get where he wanted to go, uh, get where he wanted them to go to be champions. And I think that to me in itself showed to everyone how just how passionate that guy was about winning and how far he would go to win. And, and he paid and paid the price to uh, be that leader and um, to get his team to win. And one of the last things what I thought was humorous, and I remember the guy's name, and it's funny they brought him up, LeBradford Smith, going off on 30 points on Michael Jordan in uh, 93 on on the first game of a back-to-back. -back. And I said, man, I kind of remember that because I actually have a LeBradford Smith card somewhere in my cards. It's uh, uh, basketball cards, but I remember that guy um, playing. And it's funny how um, B.J. Armstrong said, he said, hey, you know, I talked to Mike and he said, hey, uh, the next game of a back to back, he said, hey, you know, I, I'm going to have what that guy had because I think it was like 36 points in the, in the overall game. I'm going to have that in the first half. And he just went out and torched that kid for th like 35 and the 36 points in the first half. Uh, so that was pretty remarkable how he can just turn it on like that. So, you know, I'm, do I'm doing it. I'm motivated by this guy doing it last game last night. So I'm get him. So those are just some of the highlights right there I took from uh, – the, the, the couple episodes but like we keep saying you know it's 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 an interesting documentary and it's, they just keep adding on each each uh episode showing just uh all the details of what was going on during that period of time it's pretty amazing seeing it but those tears that you're saying you know i think it was him of, i think those tears do, did come from passion that he did have for winning i also thought those those tears reflected some regret on how he treated some people you know because he, he, like that quote is not only saying how passionate he was about winning, he, he's also stating how rude or how, uh, how how stern he had to be in order to win. And he wanted that to be everybody's attitude. You know, not everyone has his mentality, which makes him the best, one of the best winners. That's why Kobe was one of the best winners because he had that mentality. And that's why the drama between Kobe and Shaq happened is because he didn't have the Michael Jordan mentality, which uh, later became the Mamba mentality. You know what I mean? It's that drive to win. And you, you have, you have to be this, the, you have to have the same passion I do in order to ride with me. And that's, and sometimes that, that causes friendship because no one, not everyone has that. And that's a perfect example of Kobe and Shaq. You know what I mean? And Josh, what were some of your takes on uh, seven and eight? Well, some of my thoughts too, I, I like the, the idea of watching Jordan and his dad, the, the camaraderie they had together and how much he praised his dad and, you know, was the driving force behind him and, and the Jordan mentality. 
you know, when his father was uh, was killed, I guess there was two 18 year olds that were arrested for that. And you, you just saw the effect it took on Jordan um, after that happened. And you see him at the funeral, just, just devastated. So I think, you know, without the speculation of, of he had to lead the MV, NBA because of gambling purposes and maybe getting a suspension, now we see that it really wasn't that. We had, you know, there was some, some uh, comments from David Stern pretty much saying that that wasn't the case of why he left. He left on his own. But with his father dying, I don't know if he really wanted to play basketball anymore just because he knew his dad wasn't going to be there for him and watch him play like he has for the last, you know, nine, nine, ten years of his career. And then he said his dad's dream was for him to play baseball. So let's go play baseball. Jerry Reinsdorf owns the Chicago White Sox, so it was a perfect, perfect move to just go right from the Bulls to the uh, White Sox. And like Rich said, too, you know, they – Probably should have had him in single A ball, the low the lowest class of the minor leagues. But uh, for as much media and fans that wanted to go watch him play, uh, there was no way they could have done that in that small stadium that the White White Sox had for single A. So let's move him to double A, and um, like like Rich said too, start off with a 13 game hitting streak. So he it's not like he just went from playing basketball, being the NBA three time champ, to a sport he's never played before. He's he's played baseball his whole life. So it was, a, it was an easy move. Watching his skill as baseball player is a little odd because I thought his swing was a little, it wasn't like a pro baseball swing. It was more like a golf swing. He's a golfer. So, you know, you can see like the, the follow through on the swing where his, his right hand would come off the bat and his left hand would bring up the bat, you know, on the, on the follow through. So you can definitely see, see the golf in him in that case too. But, um, he batted 202 in the minor leagues. You know, it wasn't. I was going to say, don't forget, he was actually a pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> but they, yeah, but they had to, they yeah, couldn't yeah. pitch him here because they, you know, yeah, he hadn't yeah. pitched in so long. But they, <laughs> so an, e- an easy move for him would be to play the outfield. He can, he can run. You know, he can, he's got the length. He could have been a first baseman maybe too. But, um, Are yeah. Are considered lazy first baseman? No, first baseman is actually I probably, know. I would think probably the third or fourth most posi- most important position uh, in the team. So I, I played that before. So did I, yeah. So did I. I think I pit- pitcher, yeah. pitcher, catcher, and first base is, is top three, I think, because they're going to make the most putouts. So they have to catch, you know, uh, everything. the catch everything, just like the catcher. Yeah. But, uh, you know, then watching him, you know, play two seasons in, in the in the double-A ball and then getting the itch to play basketball again after the, uh, the baseball strike and then going right back into the uh, – the Bulls facility and start practicing with them and then you know wearing number 45 <laughs> which I thought was kind of odd for him I wasn't sure why he just wouldn't go back to 23 at the, in the first place I think well, because his, him of his, dad his dad yeah play. his dad wanted to watch him play so he had he went to 45 for a couple of games and he just wasn't himself he, he knew that so he had to go back to 23 and that's where he pretty much dominated again um, they didn't win that series that year in 95 uh, I think they lost to the Knicks that year. And um, yeah. And so then yeah. uh, he got right back into basketball and then, you know, goes on to win the next three titles. But it's all, you know, that one thing I took from it big time is that I like to see him and his dad together. You know, they had a great relationship. He wanted to honor his dad every every way he could. And that that final scene when Jordan won the fourth title and he's got the ball and he goes into the locker room and he just collapsed and cried. I mean, that was <laughs> about as emotional as you can get for a basketball player, especially in that in that uh, in that time period of the '90s. There, um, it's just just amazing to watch, and it just it gave gave me some chills too. I'm like, wow, this guy very is very powerful. You know, it wasn't it wasn't fake. It was you know, this was real stuff yeah. here, real life. And you know, sometimes you see you see players nowadays they flop, they do you know, they kind of cry for calls. You never saw Michael Jordan do that. He was he was really raw, really emotional. And it was really good to see. So the last two episodes, I think number seven and number eight were were two of my favorites, especially the uh, the story with uh, him and Steve Kerr in practice. You know, oh, yeah. Michael Jordan was so competitive, and he knew Phil was calling Phil Jackson was calling the ticky tack fouls and wasn't liking it. Steve Kerr said something to him. Steve Kerr apparently punched him first in the chest or shoved him in the chest, and Michael Jordan popped him in the eye. You know, you can just see that competitive fire that. Uh, that uh, Michael Jordan had. And if they ever do a Kobe Bryant uh, documentary, I wonder if there'll be any stories similar to that where he, oh, where, sure he punched, where he punched a player just because he's just that competitive. 
like Michael yeah. Jordan. But yeah, number seven and number eight were definitely two of my favorite episodes of the, of the series so far. And I uh, can't wait for the next two to, to finish it off. So should be fun to watch. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I, I actually left that off of my topics. It's just his relationship with his father. Because I, I even remember that as a kid, just seeing how close they were when they won the first three. And um, and it it, it kind of reminds me of like the relationship I have with my dad, you know, I, and and I think about him losing his dad in the way in the matter, you know, the fashion that he did back in 93. And and I'm like, man, you know, just if I lose my dad, I, I, that'll be really tough on me because we're yeah we're really close. And, um, and I'm the only child, you know, so um, but I thought I thought that was pretty, uh, you know, a good, you know, in-depth look and how how good their relationship was and how it all spilled out spilled out over that floor when you know he collapsed and he just won his fourth title and his dad wasn't there for the first title he won without his dad and it was on father's day too so oh, yeah. on father's day i remember that it was on father's day so that was pretty amazing and we watched it on mother's day that's crazy yeah yeah that's true yeah that's true that scene was very powerful it seems that michael jordan's always crying though so that's that's something that we really don't see in athletes. I mean, we see athletes cry, uh, especially when they win and stuff. But we see, but we don't really see them show their emotion. Like you know, that I'm starting to realize Michael Jordan showed. Like he's always crying. He always has tears coming from his eyes. Whether if it's Kobe dying, whether if it's winning a championship on his father on the Father's Day, or or was that meme uh, of him crying from the Hall of Fame? Yeah, it was Hall of Fame right? speech. Or when he's getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, like he's always crying. So that's a cool side to see Michael Jordan, one of the best players, to show emotion. I hope young athletes see that and know that it's okay to cry at any moment, at any time, because that does release some kind of emotional stress from your body. So it's good to show that. Luckily, MLB was going through a strike. I think that's why we got the second coming of Jordan. Fate always has its ways. Damn, everything he touches is just magic, man. It's crazy. It's crazy that he's an athlete and he has more power than most people that run countries, to be honest. And he, 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 he could go anywhere and become the president of the of their country. I know not everyone's country has a president, but you know what I mean, of that level. Yeah, yeah, like a leader of the, yeah. He could get so many votes. I wonder why he's never wanted to run for president. I mean... He doesn't even want to run his uh, his uh, team right, so I don't think that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd want to, to dabble into that because there was a scene in um, The Last Dance where it was talking about him stepping out more as an athlete, you know, how LeBron speaks out um, and everything like that and all these other athletes. And, um, you know, because usually, especially during that period of time, it was pretty much him and Muhammad Ali were all, like the two most revered athletes like ever. But Muhammad Ali was outspoken, you know, stood up for what what he want, you know, what he, yeah, you know, he actually lost part of his career because for what he, for he uh, stood up for. But uh, MJ, he always said it. I, he always said, "I'm a ball player. That's what I. That's what I was. That's what I was paid to do. I, I pref- try to perfect my craft and to be the best ball player you know I can be. And that's that's what I focused on. And I think he had a a statement because there was a guy who um, I can't remember the guy's name. It was a, it was a black guy running one of the first black guys in North Carolina to uh, run for a governor, I think. And um, uh, uh, one of the Carolina, I think it was North Carolina, but Michael Jordan really didn't really come out and endorse him or anyone for that matter. So, um, you know, I think he said he, he had a, a quote and, and he said he didn't say it. But he said that Republicans buy Jordans too. <laughs> yeah, so it's showing how he's like impartial. Like, hey, you know, I, I'm, I don't, I don't, it doesn't, I'm not really into that. And you know, I, I respect that. If you don't want to get into it, that's that's you. That's that, that's you. You know, even though you are the probably the most popular athlete ever, but that's never that's never been him. He's he's never tried to pretend that was him. And you know, that's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. There's some people who don't want to jump into arguments, you know, politically. And there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to always act like you're the smartest person in the room. <laughs> yeah, he he was more like he was more like I was not trying to be an activist. I'm an athlete. Uh, I didn't even I didn't even know about all that stuff that's going on. But it, he did provide some funds to that campaign. So I mean, he just did it. But he wasn't very vocal. 
yeah, you know, I think I think him being vocal would have been worth more than the dollar that he gave him, to be honest. And then I think that's where the people got mad. They didn't really care that he donated. It's the voice that they want, you know. There's uh, people will pay top dollar to get Jordan to co-sign them at any time, any moment. I don't know about now, but back then for sure. But yeah, you know, I enjoyed the seven and eight. I can't wait to the finale. I'm definitely gonna watch, try to watch seven on demand to get more in depth about the episode. I definitely love number eight because it did show him uh, come back and it showed his comeback story. It showed him um, that he was still hungry after he lost to Orlando. And that's what drove um, that's what drove him and the Bulls to win the next three after that. But with that being said, on top of the last dance, we did get UFC. Uh, what were your take? Did um, not more so about the fights. The fights were very entertaining. Uh, I think that was great. But how do you think UFC did in regards to um, bringing sports back? I yeah, I think I think it was awesome. I, I started watching the prelims. My dad was over uh, for dinner at my house, and I said, "Hey, UFC's on. They've got some sports to watch." And from the first fight on, we were just like, "Wow, this is this is pretty cool." We were thinking, "Okay, how's it going to be without the fans in the in the stands?" Um, I didn't think it was a big deal. The light, you know, all the lights in the arena were going off like they always do. The the crowd in a UFC fight is usually kept in the dark anyway, so you don't see a whole lot of fans um, at when the camera angles are, are showing the fights. So you don't really see a whole whole lot there, but you did still see some cameramen, some photographers, and things in the front row. You saw the ring girl, you know, go around the ring every every uh, every round. So it, was, it felt like a real fight. It just didn't have the fans in the stands. But some of the fights, I think the fight, what was it, uh, Nick? Nico Price, I think his name. He's the guy that got the eye injury, um, yeah. and that that guy. I mean, he took some shots. But that that was probably the be- one of the better fights of the of the night, um, just because of of the the hits that they were able to land on each other and the damage they caused. That's you know what UFC is. It's it's let's see it. You know, <laughs> but uh, I thought it was a good good event overall and a good way to start some some sports back in this country. And I hope that they use the UFC fight. I know there's some more coming up here in the next uh, couple weeks or so to show other sports that you really don't need the fans in the stands right now, whether it's golf or even baseball coming up or uh, basketball, hopefully. And I did hear, uh, I think it was uh, South Korean baseball where they, you know, behind the uh, commissioner during the NFL draft, they had a whole uh, graph or whatever you want to call it, a Zoom type meeting with a bunch of fans behind them. Well, I guess they did that in South Korea on the on the jumbotron, and there was probably 300 people, and they were able to cheer and yell for the players on the field, so they were able to hear that. No wonder why I was hearing that too. Yeah, they were able to hear that on the field, from. so it kind of kind of made them feel like, hey, there is fans here, there is fans watching us. So I'm hoping though, hoping that other sports will take note and and show that you don't really need stands in the or fans in the stands uh, right at this point. Eventually, we will, of course, but. Um, I think UFC did a good job at what they did and presented their product and show that that sports can return safely, even with one of their fighters getting uh, coronavirus just a day or two before, you know, his fight got postponed, of course, but uh, the other fighters were still able to uh, to participate. And, and I thought it was a great job. It was good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- you know, even having, you know, the, the guy testing, Sousa testing for uh, COVID, that was pretty crazy. But, you know, they handled that um, carefully, you know, it caught, um, ending ending that that match. So um, it didn't seem like it affected any of the other ones and the event went on. So that was pretty cool. But um, my biggest takeaway was the main fight where Ferguson got pummeled. Um, yeah, uh, that, that was pretty crazy. And um, I think it's, the guy's name was G- uh, uh, Gaith. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, I was trying to I was trying to figure out how to say his name, but because um, I've been out of the out of the MMA game a little bit off and on this this uh, last couple of years, but um, yeah, that guy put a hurting on Ferguson, which is pretty crazy. But um, one thing I got out of that too is that yeah, uh, we're pretty much not going to see that uh, Khabib Ferguson fight that everyone wanted to see. Um, so that's that's kind of a downer, but uh, the Fer- uh, the Khabib uh, Gaith fight that should be pretty good. Uh, so that I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing those those guys fight again. So, um, and, and McGregor's been popping off on Twitter a little bit. So, you know, it's always funny when he gets involved. But um, yeah, the UFC also they they've had they had a fight a couple nights ago. They had like a, a fight night, 
Yeah, so they have an obligation to fulfill their contract with ESPN. So you're going to see a lot of uh, upcoming UFC fights um, during the week and even on the weekends. I think we have another one tomorrow uh, with Overeem and, and somebody else fighting. So uh, it'll uh, it, it, it'll be pretty interesting. So, so at least at least we're like Josh said, at least we're getting sports back. And I like how they they have the presentation um, just with no fans there. You know, right now trying to keep everybody safe. So I think they pulled that off. And actually, you got to feel like it was the ultimate fighter uh, when you were watching. Because usually it's just coaches yelling, you know, and that's about it. But you hear the the the, uh, the the connects, you know, with the fists and kicks happening and all that stuff. You know, the language being talked, you know, on on in the in the octagon. So I thought that was pretty cool. I enjoyed myself. I was just glad to have sports too. True. My, my only takeaway on was yeah, it was very quiet. That was very interesting. It was crazy. It was it was like two fighters fighting in the gym, sparring, yeah. but actual fights. Crazy that they could hear the announcers talk. They were saying Greg Hardy adjusted his fight because they heard Cormier's uh, uh, analysis of him, and he switched up his fight. So that was pretty cool. Another thing that I that I got to give to them was they did show a proper model on if one of the athletes do get the coronavirus, what to do and how could it affect the the entire league itself and uh, I think it presented a, a good outcome just get them out of here you know they can't fight they can't play so that's that's great that's promising for other leagues other than that um, I did enjoy the fights uh, do I think Dana White saved sports I'm not sure yet we still haven't got anything that we wanted to see yet I won't say that until I see the NBA on I know NASCAR's coming back I know golf and all that but that's sports that you know that don't need a big uh, contact next to each other they could be in their own car so that's for sure six feet apart you know what I mean so until I see the NBA come that's when I'll say Dana White save sports until then uh, I'm not sure with that being said about the fans though and the whole zoom thing that's pretty cool I hope the NBA could incorporate that I mean the NFL did it with the draft why wouldn't the NBA put that over the big giant telecom while they're playing or something you know what I mean so that's pretty interesting to see but the Panthers, the owner of the Panthers say that there could be fans still, man. Even though they're saying that they'd be playing with no fans. He's even thinking about how I said it. Remember last week on our podcast, uh, buy like buy half capacity and have everyone sit uh, a seat apart. So, you know, if he's on board with that, I'm pretty sure other um, franchises would be. Is that still safe? I don't know. But that's 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 uh, up for the discussion at a different point in time. Maybe when we get our first game back and see how that goes. But until but check this out, Mike. I was gonna jump in. Um, there's actually gonna be Bundesliga German soccer this weekend. One of my favorite teams, Bayern Munich, is playing. So they're actually starting up. So that's pretty interesting in Germany. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it's huge. Yeah, it's gonna be on. Um, usually they're on Fox. FS1 or something like that, FS2, so. Well, it's been a great discussion with you guys. Can't wait for the final last two episodes of The Last Dance. Stay safe, stay blessed, and stay tuned. Uh, just take care, family and uh, friends, and uh, just continue to support us. So, like I said, we're all, every week we're working at it, um, uh, trying to get this thing going, and we can we love the continued support that you guys provide us. Yeah, well, thing, stay, stay safe out there. You know, we're, we're hoping these restrictions are going to get eased up here in the next few weeks or so maybe we can get some more sports going but uh hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast and uh we'll see you next time yeah stay blessed guys all right and cut